This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, y'all. This is Marcus King. You're listening to Pantheon Podcast. Pantheon Podcast presents... Deeper Digs with host and rock and roll archaeologist... Christian Swain. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Look in my eyes. What do you see? The cult of personality. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you want to be. I'm the cult of personality. What? No, Jimi Hendrix? To start the show? Oh, don't worry. There'll be plenty of Jimi Hendrix as we go along. This is our third show in our Hendrix November tribute. Uh, Coming up in just a bit will be Vernon Reed from Living Color, hence starting with Cult of Personality. And we also have the incredible John Hammond as well. Both will be discussing their recollections on our subject. Of course, this is all in service of the upcoming celebration on what would have been Hendrix's 78th birthday. Friday, November 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Kiss the Sky presents a live stream of their annual Jimi Hendrix birthday bash direct from the historic Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York. See why Rolling Stone magazine has said, yes, believe the hype, this show lives up to it. And why Access TV crowned Kiss the Sky featuring left-handed guitar virtuoso Jimmy Blue, who will be on the show on our last uh, uh, Hendrix show uh, in a couple of days. Uh, The world's greatest tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Kiss the Sky creates Hendrix's most iconic concert moments in full replica wardrobe and gear so well that they've had the honor of playing with all surviving members of Hendrix's own bands, including Billy Cox, The Last Gypsy. Check the bearsvilletheater.com or at Kiss the Sky tribute pages on Facebook for more information. Remember, I've told you, this is a donate-only show. It's free if you really want it that way. Of course, I think you'll be impressed enough to uh, hand at at least a few ducats over to uh, uh, Jimmy Blue, uh, Kiss the Sky, and their wonderful show. So so make sure you check that out, okay? Business, business. Uh, Well, we're going to refrain from business this week because uh, we're going to have two deeper digs uh, shows to drop for you. There'll be a little bit more uh, on the next one. Um, so other than to suggest you all go to pantheonpodcast.com to see what we have going on, um, you know, that's all there is. So, well, you know, we do want to thank our patrons from Patreon. 
uh, you know, those of you buying tea public swag, keep it up. Uh, if you want to just buy us a cup of coffee, please do. And we will be eternally grateful. All right, that's it. Let's do it. Wow, we have had such a great time interviewing all these folks about their recollections, memories, and influence that began over 50 years ago when Hendrix became a star um, to to today uh, because he certainly still matters. We have two more shows leading up to the November 27th uh, gig with the last episode, including Billy Cox and Juma Sultan, who played with the man. And then finally, Jimmy Blue, who uh, has been performing as Hendrix for decades. But up first are the guests today. Vernon Reed will join us in a bit. um, But up first is John Hammond who knew Jimmy before his ascendancy and even for a few Hammond gigs at the Gaslight in New York City in 1966 uh, had both Hendrix and Clapton playing with him at the same time. In fact, Jimmy Hendrix was discovered while playing in John's band by Chaz Chandler. At least the deal was decided, as we will hear. John Hammond is one of the world's premier acoustic blues artists a Blues Hall of Fame inductee and Grammy Award winner with 33-plus albums to date and an almost 60-year career, eight Grammy nominations, 22 Blues Music Award nominations, and 10 wins. Besides Hendrix and Clapton, uh, uh, John uh, has performed or recorded with Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Dwayne Allman, Mike Bloomfield, J.J. Cale, Tom Waits, The Band, John Lee Hooker, Dr. John, oh, and many, many more. A tireless performer, he continues to tour worldwide on an annual basis, well, until this year, that is. Hammond is uh, the son of record producer and talent scout John H. Hammond uh, and his first wife, uh, Jemison uh, McBride, an actress. He is a descendant of uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt, the patriarch of the prominent Vanderbilt family, through his paternal grandmother, Emily Vanderbilt Sloan Hammond. He began playing guitar in high school, um, partially inspired by uh, the album Jimmy Reed at Carnegie Hall. He intended uh, Antioch College for one year, but dropped out to pursue a music career. How many times have we heard that? Uh, By the mid-1960s, he was touring nationally and living in Greenwich Village. Hammond usually plays acoustically, choosing a national resophonic guitar, and sings in a Barrowhouse style. His debut album, released in 1962, John Hammond, was one of the first blues albums by a white artist. Hammond has earned one Grammy Award, has been nominated for four others, and has provided the soundtrack for the 1970 film Little Big Man, starring Dustin Hoffman. Hammond hosted the 1991 UK television documentary, The Search for Robert Johnson, detailing the life of the legendary Delta bluesman. 
you know, that was a great documentary. It was one of the first where they actually talked to a lot of the people that knew Robert, played with Robert, grew up with Robert, um, uh, the uh, the children of, of Robert Johnson. It was, it was it's a really great documentary. I highly recommend it. The, and obviously, he's the perfect voice to narrate this wonderful documentary. It was his father who extended an invitation to Robert Johnson to perform at the Hammond-produced Spirituals to Swing concert at Carnegie Hall in 1938. We, we mentioned that in the, in the interview. John Hammond had tried to get Robert Johnson to play, but learned uh, at the last minute that Johnson had recently died. Hammond ended the concert by wheeling a phonograph on stage and playing a Robert Johnson recording, leaving the audience stunned and applauding wildly. John P. Hammond, Paul Hammond, our guest today, who's named uh, not only after uh, his father, but his godfather, the great Paul Robeson, um, obviously took in all of his father's interests and more to become a blues master himself and has found a long career with it. So let's get to our first guest today, the indefatigable John P. Hammond. Come on, baby. Up the smiling feeling oh right for my shoes you know about a baby got the all walking rules I woke up this morning baby I'm feeling right for my shoes you know about a baby I got a oh Lord I got the walking blues Welcome to Deeper Digs, and I gotta say first, belated happy birthday. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I guess it was last Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Uh, That's was, right. Was I was birthday. born on Friday the thirteenth. Were you okay? You were born on Friday the thirteenth. Nineteen forty-two. Yes, yeah. War baby. Uh, you were definitely part of the baby boom. Uh, well, uh, your host Me and here, Jimmy. You, you and Jimmy. Yeah, your host here was born on November twelfth. So, uh, uh, which is the same day that Neil Young was born on. So I feel pretty lucky about that. Uh, all right. First question. Obviously, we have to ask, you know, how are you faring in the age of COVID? Well, we're faring. Um, it's been very odd, uh, a change of style in a lot of ways. A lot of work uh, went out the window. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just unbelievable. Uh and you have to cope with it the best you can. Uh, my wife and I are, are, you know, faring well, uh, but it's we're just every day. It's just mind-boggling uh, how things have changed. Yeah, they, we we are definitely moving from you know you know as we said you were born in '42. Uh, you know, baby boom, uh, probably the last time the world went through something as traumatic, uh, obviously more death and destruction than what we have today is is World War Two. Uh, and, you know, yeah. at, at the end of that war, um, you know, the world was, you know, moved from, you know, uh, one, you know, set of players that were controlling things to you know, uh, what became known as the American century and, uh, you know, the rock and roll world, the blues world, everything that we love and talk about on this show, um, you know, came out of that. Uh, and now this, this might be the end, uh, it, it's certainly the end of that 
post-war world, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say it's uh, it's definitely changed. Um, uh, different dynamics on so many levels. Uh, uh, the, you know, I, I used to be the kid. Yes. And now I'm the old guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're really you're John hard. P., uh, and uh, I think your dad, uh, John H., uh, yeah, you, 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 your family has been extremely instrumental in bringing this music to the masses. Um, you know, starting uh, with your dad and, and, and his life's work, uh, you know, uh, prior to the rock and roll age, well, even into the rock and roll age. I mean, let's face it, he did totally. sign I mean, Bob Dylan was, and Bruce Springsteen. He was happening on so many levels. Yeah. Um, well, one day there'll be a statue of him in Central Park, maybe. And, Why uh, is there not already and, a statue I know. for him in Central Park, for, <laughs> no, for, for Christ's he, sake? He was, he, he was awesome. And uh, there's, but there's, I, I don't know. I could just talk all all night about him, you know. And I wouldn't even scratch the surface. He he was way ahead of his time, and yet, you know, he is responsible for so many iconic artists that are out there. And um, I don't know. It's just amazing. It is. It it is when when you go back and look at that career, uh, you know, uh, from you know discovering basically Robert Johnson, asking him to come to, I believe it was the 1938 uh, right. Carnegie Spirituals Hall. to Swing. Yeah, the yes, Spirituals it, to Swing. Spirituals concert. to Swing. And, and yeah. unfortunately, you know... You know, we didn't have email back then, or you know, even a you know a, a, a quick postal service. Uh, you know, it, the, the the letter took its time, and also to try to find uh, someone of of Robert's um, uh, background. Um, uh, you know, be, being an African American in the South, and uh, and then you know, a touring musician. Um, by the time the letter found him, he he actually had passed a few months prior. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And that's crazy. Now, you have a connection with, with Robert Johnson uh, yourself. And, and let's say, you know, Johnson and, and several others, uh, you know, uh, Django Reinhardt, um, uh, uh, some of the other blues players, you know, are the foundation of, of rock and roll. But, you know, going to Robert Johnson, you you also helped um, present a documentary, I believe, in the 90s. Uh, one of the first yes. that really went back and tried to find the people who knew Robert Johnson, right? Yeah, that, it, it was an amazing show. Uh, I was approached by a, a film co company from England who had spent a year prior to this doing, doing all this research. They had found these people. They had done all of the, the basic basics. They approached me and, uh, and they asked me if I would be like the, um, the spokesperson kind of, uh, it, it was all, there was no script. Um, it was an amazing adventure for me. Uh, I found out more about Robert Johnson than I ever thought I would ever know. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they had gone to his hometown. They found out where he was born, where he died, um, who he married, uh, old girlfriends, uh, places where he played. I mean, it was it was an amazing trip. Uh, I mean, where he recorded in Texas, uh, where he played all through Mississippi and Tennessee. I mean, he was a very complex guy for a very young guy. And... Uh, and he was a really sophisticated player. 
Yeah, you know, uh, there's been some talk that, you know, there something happened. Uh, you know, obviously we get the crossroads mythology. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the basic story for our listeners is that, you know, he, he kind of was a, a good player, but an average player. He went somewhere. Maybe probably to Memphis is the the, the reality uh, and uh, learned to really play and then went back on the Chitlin circuit and was the monster that we know him of today, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, in a way. Okay. I mean, he, he actually spent a lot of time in Memphis. Uh, he had uh, a stepfather there and a mm-hmm. family there mm-hmm. that he would go back to from time to time. No. Um, uh, to get his act together if he'd been out there and crazy for too long whatever he'd go back and uh and he was very sophisticated player i mean he he was not an ignorant farm guy or anything i mean he was he could read and write he was uh Mm -hmm. he was hip to all the other players um well one of the things about about that era was that there were records that were made by artists from North Carolina to Texas to Mississippi to Chicago, whatever you could hear everybody. So he his style developed from having heard everybody. So he he came up with a unique sort of a synthesis of of what was good. Yeah, you know, I mean he really he was an amazing player. And I could just go on and on about no, that, but uh, I, I see your point. You you hit this point. I mean, this is the beginning of of recorded. Uh, 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 the the ability for the average person to uh, exchange recordings or hear recordings. Yeah, to buy records to, to hear them right. on the radio. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then to say, oh, I see what that guy's doing. Uh, I'm going to yeah. incorporate that incorporate that in my um, uh, in my plane. So it's the exactly. the beginning of mass media and the ability to take mass media and and quickly learn from it. I think is your is your point there. And he was yeah. able to 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 synthesize all. All of that—that's the word you used, which brilliant yeah. uh, to uh, to create something that did stand up and above what the other guys were doing at the time, right? Right. Uh, Johnny Shines, who I got to know, uh, tr- traveled extensively with Robert, and he he told me that that Robert could play anything he heard, anything from uh, jazz like the human to jukebox kind classical. Of guy. Yeah, right. I mean, he and was one of those ears. phenomenal. Yeah. He wasn't. You know, I, I I think of Hendrix, you know, as a a person who could hear something and play it. He yeah. could just do it. You know, he it would just fluid came right through him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are people like that in the world. <laughs> uh, I have met a couple of them, and I've always been extremely jealous uh, of, of that <laughs> talent. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty incredible. Or, or you know, the guy who can pretty much pick up any instrument and start playing it without knowing anything about it. That's I've exactly. run into a couple of those too. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah. you're steeped. In, I mean, obviously, you were steeped uh, as the son of John Hammond uh, in this. This, this, you know, black, mo- mostly black legacy, uh, Robert Johnson, Count Basie, um, Billy Holiday, I think, uh, were all discovered uh, by your father. My father was amazing. Um, oddly enough, I didn't grow up with him. So a lot of this I found out later. Oh. Uh, I got into music on my own. I gravitated towards blues 
from a very early age. One thing my, my father did on a weekend that I had with him, he brought me to hear Big Bill Brunzi. Yeah. Bill, uh, when, Bill I, Brunzi, when I was yeah. seven, when oh. I was seven years old, and it made a, an indelible impression on me. And from then on, I sort of gravitated towards uh, blues-oriented music. And um, by the time I was in my teens, I was a blues fanatic. Um, I got a guitar when I was 18 and started playing professionally when I was 19. I knew all the songs that I, that I loved and... It came easily to me, but it was quite quite a trip. <laughs> uh, I bet it, you you are known as one of the first white blues players uh, on recording. Uh, I'm sure there were plenty of, of blues. Uh, there were plenty of way way back. You know, there were white uh, blues artists that that uh, recorded even in the 30s and the 40s. So it's not, I wasn't the first. And, maybe maybe uh, the revivalist uh, period of the mm, early sixties. Okay, my 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 first album was made in nineteen sixty two, mm-hmm. which was before a lot of the guys you know who were out there were doing it. Um, there 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 were there 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 were players like Dave Van Ronk and uh, and others who you know recorded blues music you know, but I was really intense i i wanted to go for the for the deep stuff uh so anyway i mean i'm not you know i i just happened to be there at that time and uh was able to get on shows with all of my idols you know with muddy waters and howling wolf oh, jimmy reed that's um, all the old timer guys uh, with uh sun house and buck of white um Fred McDowell, I, I could just name you a who's who of the country blues and of the Chicago guys. You know, I really, I got it firsthand. I was able to be there and say, wow, listen to it and, and you know, be there. So, so was, let me, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a question about that because, you know, it, it famously, you know, back originally in the, 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 the uh, first incarnation, you know, these guys were kind of uh, – uh, mysterious uh, about their playing. And, you know, I mean, famously, some would turn their back uh, so that you couldn't quite see what they were doing. Now, they're a little bit older at this time when, when, when you're probably hanging around them. So were they more giving and willing to kind of show you the tricks? Um, I, I, I was too shy to ask anybody to show me anything. I was just happy to be <laughs> in their in presence. Their, right, right. Yes, exactly. And, and yeah. to watch their show, uh, to, to sort of absorb that, that feeling, you know, I mean, it's, these guys were, were really hitting on it. It was great. Um, but I got to know some players who, who were, you know, very seminal. Uh, I mean, John Lee Hooker. I got to be on a lot of shows with. I got to record with him. I got to to hang with him. And what an amazing guy! Uh, just out of the blue. I mean, off the wall. You know, he was a character. And oh, he'd yeah. been there. And he's from Detroit. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. born in. Mississippi moved yep. to Detroit and through the Great Migration, and, right? Yeah, and he yep. he he had the scene down. 
Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I mean, there was, you know, I, I got to be on shows with Howling Wolf and I got to know Wolf and Muddy and, Ugh. you know, it was, it was, you know, really wonderful times. There, there are artists out there. I mean, uh, Charlie Musselwhite springs to mind, Elvin Bishop. Mm -hmm. These are, are, you know, the legacy wonderful artists. players yeah. who were there mm -hmm. and learned from the guys. You yeah, know, I mean, like they yourself. were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a an amazing time. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time so many times, uh, and I got to know artists that that were not just in blues. You know, um, you know, I was really friends with Bob Dylan yeah. and yeah. Neil Young, and you know, all these guys who I you know were my contemporaries yeah, they and, came up with around and went in their own directions and yep. were just as dynamic as as you can imagine so i'm yeah very yeah. very fortunate that way <laughs> now you are also known uh and uh, to speak about our primary subject today as the guy who had Jimi hendrix and eric clapton in his band at the same time for five, well, whole, days, in, they, five whole days. They, they the sat in line. with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They sat in with me when I had uh, my, my little band together uh, in New York and in 1966. Uh, actually, I sat in, uh, they sat in with me in 67. I met Jimmy in 66. Uh, and um, I put a little band together uh, with guys that he was jamming with and guys that I knew. Uh, and we played for a week at the, the Cafe O'Gogo in 1966. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the audience was packed out every night. And one of the evenings, uh, Chas Chandler yep. from the Animals uh, uh, came up to came up to J Jimmy after the show and said, listen, uh, I'd love to record you. Here's a plane ticket to England, uh, all expenses, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that was how it all started. <laughs> I mean, that that was how he got the big break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through I, I, I think uh, through Linda Keith, which at the time was Keith Richards' girlfriend, told Chaz Chandler about, you got to go check out this guy. And so he came to one of those shows. Is, is that when Chaz first saw Jimmy play? I don't know if it was the first time, but that was the time that he offered him <laughs> uh, the trip. <laughs> oh, the that experience. Have, yeah, the experience. That's right. The experience. So, um, uh, so you got to play with him. You got to know him. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, we, we started off talking a little bit about Robert Johnson. You know, uh, you know, I think, you mm -hmm. know, he's kind of like the. You know, there's a couple of guys that fit in that early period of like the Ur guitar player. Johnson definitely is one of those guys. And then Jimmy is, you know, one of those guys of the 60s that, you know, stands exactly. tall and above that. Uh, and so he, he had heard it all. You yeah, know, he had heard it all. He knew what he loved and he loved blues and he could really he could play it, but he could play anything. He was one of those those guys that you go, oh, my God. And he was uh, the real deal. I mean, he was all about the music. I think um, the success and the big bucks and stuff was um, less important than playing. I mean, for him, he I don't think he was very good with money. Uh, yeah, that's a, you know, a common story for, for if you dive into Jimmy's story is that, you know, it just... 
He didn't have uh, – well, he had good manager with Chaz, and, and of course, he was trying to get Chaz back uh, before he passed away. Uh, but, uh, you know, in between, uh, it wasn't good times. And, yeah, he needed somebody, you know, who really – could understand and take care of him like like most right. artists do they you know they want to focus on the creative side and you need somebody who can handle the business side yes exactly yeah yeah so as as a player you know we as you said you know um you know learning about uh robert johnson and his ability to just pretty much pick up and play anything you would say the same thing uh about Jimi hendrix Yes, he was he was one of those amazing guys and uh it was just awesome. Uh how was it with him and Clapton on stage at the same time? Well, uh, they they knew of each other. Um Eric was, you know, like a, a huge star with Cream, you know, yeah, and uh yeah, at that point, yeah. Yeah, I mean he was rocking. So it's it's he's rocking. Yeah, yeah. And um and uh I, I knew G Jimmy from a year before, and I had been on tour in England with uh, Eric in 1965. So they both knew me and were both in town at the same time and came by and asked to sit in. I said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think everybody that was in the audience um, on those two nights has come up to me over the years and said, hey, I saw you with Jimmy and Eric back in 1965 and 66, right? Uh-oh. And uh, so I think everyone that's still alive, I've <laughs> I've met at some point. <laughs> Is it one of those stories where you run into, yeah, I was at Woodstock and there's so many people that there would have been like 3 million people at Woodstock if everybody actually was there. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. In in your mind, you know, you play uh, our minds play tricks on us on our memories, and sometimes uh, we see things that maybe we then put ourselves in. Uh, but uh, but I can imagine all the people, including myself, who would have loved to have been there. Uh, regardless, uh, that must have been uh, pretty crazy. So, uh, what 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 do you, what what can you say about um, Hendrix as a person? You know, outside of uh, the plane. Well, he was a very soft-spoken guy. He was not um, arrogant. Uh, I thought of him as just, you know, a real class act. Um, like I say, he was became so famous, so popular, so fast. It was like overwhelming to him, I guess. I, I didn't get to know him during the, the that height of his uh, stardom. He was in. Uh, another stratosphere at that point. I I was not on that level, mm -hmm. so I didn't know him that well at the end. Yeah. Um, but uh, I went to his funeral, and uh, I paid my respects. I mean, he was he was a guy. I mean, the guy. He made more money than Frank Sinatra. You know. Yeah. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be back in a bit.
And now back to the program. He was the biggest artist in the world at one point. Yeah, he certainly was. And, you know, he went through some iterations. I mean, the the the, the experience, uh, Band of Gypsies, you know, uh, the, the possibility of being in a band with Miles Davis uh, comes up sometimes. Uh, where, yeah. where, where do you think Jimmy would have gone had he not passed in 1970? I, I really don't know, but I think that the possibilities were uh unlimited mm. i mean he he was that good uh but you know i mean when you become so famous and so iconic at so young an age it's like god knows you know what's going to happen right I mean, in some ways that's a millstone um, you know the beatles yeah. you know had to stop playing because they were yeah. so popular that <laughs> they it, couldn't it even hear themselves just, right <laughs> exactly so yeah, yeah. I, I don't know is the answer and uh but i i feel very fortunate that i got to spend time with him and to to play with him and yeah. it was yeah. amazing just to watch him play you know he was yeah. so into it man yeah yeah amazing yeah he 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 was what well, he was committed as they might say <laughs> as soon as he strapped that yeah. uh, electric guitar on you know that that lends itself a, a, an interesting question that i pose sometimes to to folks and that is you know the guitar itself uh, was the dominant in instrument in the late 20th century i i think its position uh has waned uh in the last uh 20 years i think the computer is now the dominant musical instrument um but you know what what do you think of why you know why was it that that the guitar took off and just became you know i i, I mean granted the electric side was invented in the 20th century in the mid 20th century uh you know whether you're talking about les paul uh at first and then leo fender and all of that so right, you know right. why 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 do you think that that just dominated music in the late 20th century well it was uh an instrument that you could play as part of a band uh, as a solo for a, a troubadour like myself who could uh go out you know all by myself on the road and make a living uh didn't need a band um i you know it was a way to do it um uh, you can't carry a piano on your back. And uh, <laughs> um, so, I mean, the guitar was just like a a, a perfect instrument and uh, a way to to make yourself heard. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to articulate it exactly, but uh, uh, I think you get the idea. I, I, I do. I might throw in... Um... It's the common man's instruments. It's you know, and, and let's face it, uh, you know, America post-war uh, was built on the common man, and and it's and the common man's interests. Uh, you know, uh, that was celebrated, and uh, you know, uh, any kid could you know pick the thing up and you know learn three or four chords, and off you're running to the races at that point. Yep, just like that. And um, uh, there were uh, so much great music out there, and traditions i mean american music has got so many influences uh from you know yeah. all over the world we, we are the melting I mean, pot yes that's exactly right and that is our, music, our greatest strength you know never I, be I, I was on tour once over in in europe and i was on the sh show with this um african player named uh ali fakaturi he was from mali and uh Everyone is saying, you know, this is where the blues came from, 
you know, and he really had a great sound. And I, mm -hmm. wow, I just knocked me out. And he only spoke French, and I speak enough French to be able to get by to right. talk to him. Yeah. And I said, "Man, was there someone in your village that that you learned from?" He said, "No, man." I learned it all from John Lee Hooker. <laughs> well, and I said, "Holy, you know, here's here's the yeah, here's the supposedly the source, and it came from John Lee Hooker. Give me a break, yeah. and it did sound like John Lee. And hello, uh, a lot of the African music that you hear sounds like you know more like folk music. You know, it's not the blues stuff came from here. Yeah." Yeah, out, out of the uh, Mississippi Delta, is, up to Chicago, and that's that's. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, like there are players that were from Indianapolis. There are guys mm -hmm. from, from you know, different parts, you know, Oklahoma, and there, you know, you can't pinpoint it. It's not one source. It could be from anywhere. Yeah. But when you hear that guy or that w woman that has it, you know, has that thing. You go, wow! That's yeah. that's it. Yeah. I mean, Bonnie Raitt. Oh, she, I was going to bring that. Uh, you said woman. I said I thought Bonnie Raitt. Right, right. Yeah, it's, well, it's she's, the ability to touch the soul or touch your own soul, and right. express. It doesn't that. matter where you're from. If yeah. you got it, you got it. Right. And if you want it, and you go out to get it and find it. Yeah. You know, God bless. You know, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Hendrix was one of those those guys who who had it and knew it and wasn't afraid to just go for it, you know? And, uh, I just feel so fortunate to have, uh, to have had those moments with him where, you know, I, I could feel that, that energy and that, that power that he had. Amazing. Um, I, uh, I'm too young to have, uh, been able to see him, uh, live myself. Of course, I've seen pretty much every, movie or documentary or live performance he's ever done yeah. and uh yeah a, you know incendiary is probably the word that comes to mind more than anything else for that guy yeah. and you know as we said you know you had uh you know robert johnson and, and his like and you know then you, you had the the muddy waters and the sun houses and and that like and then Jimi hendrix comes around eric clapton Dwayne allman i know you got to play with him too yeah I got, he was another great friend I've met some pretty good guitar players over the years. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Robertson was okay, no splash. You, you help uh, uh, those guys uh, hook up with what's that other guy? I think he won some Nobel Prize or something like that uh, right. to, to form that band. Yeah. Uh, you know? Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're called the band. Yeah. So you you had a hand in that mm. as well, didn't you? I did. Uh, and then you have, I think, you've done 34 albums uh, so far. Is that yes. is that right? And the, the latest being, you know, that's you know that's cold outside, or you know that's cold. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's not the latest. Actually, there's um, some. Um, I made two solo albums. Um, well, let's see the. Um, uh, uh, the, the last one is called Timeless. I don't know no, if you I have don't. that one. I don't. I'll have to look that up. I'll uh, look that up. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's that's a, time, timeless. Is that from 2014? Okay. Okay. Yes. So are you? And that's got you know that's cold on. I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, come to find out, is that also from Timeless? Ah. Uh, yes. Okay. Right. All right. So you you you're, you're up to date. Close. <laughs> 
close. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I mean, I, I've made so yeah. many records over the years, and I've been so fortunate and I've gotten to to work with artists like, you know, Mike Bloomfield and Roosevelt Sykes, Dr. John, Dwayne Allman, blah, blah, blah. It just goes on and on. I've been very fortunate. And, uh, and I'm still rocking. You are. Well, what <laughs> are you working on now? And yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy would, would have been 78. Was, was yeah. two weeks yeah, he, younger he, than he me. He would have turned 78 <laughs> on the 27th. That's absolutely right. So That's what are you right. working on now? Have you have you have you done the Paul McCartney I'm, thing? I'm not uh, working. You know he he's going to come out with an mm. album where he plays all the instruments, wrote all the songs, no surprise, and produced it all himself. Yeah. Well, how nice <laughs> is that for him? I, I'm I'm trying to to uh, hang in there, getting some unemployment Ooh. money. I I am not a wealthy guy. Uh, I have, you, you know, need to be on the road, right? Life. Yeah, you, you have lived your life on the road. Well, you know, that's how I've always yeah. made a living. So when you can't do that, it's it's different. I'm, uh, I'm not the new kid on the block. So whatever, it's you know, it's listen. I'm not complaining. I'm a happy guy. I am married to a wonderful woman. We have a, a really nice scene, um, but I, I'm not in a position to go out and record on my own dime and that kind of thing. So I'm hoping that, that everything clears up eventually and uh, I can get back into some phase of, uh, of uh, performing or recording. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's gotta be just weird. Uh, your entire life is, it is weird. That, that's, is, that's the been, word, you know, this, this expectation and this constant, um, you know, uh, work ethic, uh, and and now it just all disappeared uh, in a moment, in, in, in like the flash yeah, it, of, a, it, a, a, it, a, you know, of lightning. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Well, you know, you, you, you be thankful for small yeah. mercies, you know, yeah. and uh, that the, the Biden got elected, uh, that that's, means a whole yeah. lot. And um, I think it's going to be um, a lot better from now on if he ever leaves. <laughs> oh, that um, guy! Oh, that orange anyway, monster! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he—he's going. Let me let me let me assure you, he's going. Uh, the machinery has already started to move. So uh, by far. So, yeah. but I, I hear you. Uh, I understand, uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, this is a temporary. Uh, problem and it it probably is we we've had these things uh before and uh you know uh, yeah. it, it looks like you know we, we definitely have a lot more science and and medical technology uh, uh today than ever before uh you know but it does i uh, you know gosh I, you know it's to not have concerts in your life uh whether you pl play or yeah. go is just absolutely weird yeah yeah it's weird and it's 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 uh unprecedented so everybody's in the same boat kind of and uh we'll just get through it the best we can well john hammond so glad to have you thanks so much for being with us on deeper digs today well listen it was a pleasure talking to you and uh i wish jimmy uh, a happy birthday uh he was the guy She's walking through the clouds with a circus mind that's running around. 
All right, let's hear it for John Hammond. So nice to have him on the show. I've seen him, and he is the real deal. If you want to try to get back to the original strains of rock and roll, the blues, don't miss Hammond uh, if he is playing nearby you, hopefully in the near future. And go grab one of those 34 albums he has available. You won't be disappointed. Okay, up next is a lengthy conversation with the gunslinger Vernon Reed, lead guitarist of the seminal hard rock band Living Color. Their debut album, Vivid, was released in 1998 and sold double platinum. Its successor, Time's Up, was released in 1990 and was gold certified. They received two consecutive Grammy Awards in the category of Best Hard Rock Performance. They opened for the Rolling Stones' 1989 Steel Wheels Tour, which I got to see uh, them on the night that uh, the original Guns N' Roses blew up on stage. It was uh, uh, Living Color, uh, Guns N' Roses, and then, uh, of course, uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, and uh, oh, and Living Color appeared on the first Lollapalooza tour in the summer of 1991, so uh, definitely been around. Living Color broke up in 1995, but reformed in 2000. Since then, they have released three more albums, Kaleidoscope in October 2003, The Chair in the Doorway in September 2009, and Shade in September 2017. So they're still around, boys and girls. Don't worry, we'll see them again. Reed is a British-born but American-raised guitarist and songwriter. He was named number 66 on Rolling Stone magazine's 2003 list of 100 greatest guitarists of all time. He's a much sought-after musician in both bands with Masks, uh, uh, Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society and the Yohimbi Brothers, uh, and also a sideman or collaborator with the likes of Bill Frizzell, Jack Bruce, John Medeski, Cindy Blackman, Santana, ja- um, The Roots, uh, uh, Public Enemy, Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, DJ Lott. I could go on and on, uh, but you can tell the eclectic requests for the man just from the list that I just made, okay? He's performed with the friend of the show, Matt Butler, and his Everyone Orchestra. I forgot to mention that to Vernon. Um, I wish I'd done that. He uh, also has his very own Hendrix uh, tribute act called Vernon Reed's Band of Gypsies Revisited Band with uh, Andre uh, Dre Glow, LaSalle on guitar and vocals along with Vernon, uh, Jared Michael Nickerson on bass and James Biscuit Roos on drums and vocals. Now, interesting, Biscuit Roos also sometimes sits in with Kiss the Sky. Uh, Before we head to the interview, let me say that Vernon is well-versed on many subjects, kind of like myself. So when he goes on tangents, um, I just went along with him. Uh, But we do always get back to Jimi Hendrix one way or another. Uh, It it was just it was one of my favorite interviews I've done uh, in a while. Uh, And I, I enjoy everyone. Don't get me wrong. I really, really do. But every once in a while, you come across somebody that you're like, wow, we could really be friends. All right, let's get into it, diggers. Here is the great Vernon Reed. Well, she walked through the clouds, circuits mine all the time. Marshmallows and movies, fairy tales,
Vernon Reed, uh, welcome to Deeper Digs. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. The sun is shining, even though I'm, I'm in my uh, basement laboratory. Your basement. So. That's it, this, that, that, this looks like quite a laboratory behind yeah, you there. Kinda, uh, by the way, uh, uh, live long and prosper. I like your spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my middle sister. Is a, We are both kind of Trekkies. My youngest oh, sister God. is like... Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> but oh, but no, we're like no, original no, series, yeah, uh, Trekkies. So yeah, yeah. same here, same here. I can't imagine my philosophy in life not uh, being uh, so influenced by Gene Roddenberry. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, you know he. It's it's so funny because the things he got right, he got really right, and the things he got wrong, like there was an episode with the space hippies. Oh, that, yeah. was, a bad, that was a legendarily bad one. That's the legendarily bad one. Yeah, that, that one doesn't age very well, does no, it? No, it doesn't age very well. <laughs> Although and, Spock and, jamming uh, is pretty fucking cool. Oh, yeah, Spock, yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those, those uh, yeah, uh, mm, you know, yeah. But, when, but, you know, who doesn't love the, the goatee, you know, who doesn't love um, you know, Oh, uh, alternate universe Spock and uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. the goatee. Uh, 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 yeah, with yeah. the dagger. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is Lots it, of fun. Lots of fun on that. Oh, yeah. Assassination is a, le a legitimate <laughs> form of advancement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got the lines. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. Harcourt Fenton Mud. Yeah, the trouble. With yeah. yeah. Fenton Mud. That's, yeah. One of the, that's one of the better whimsical ones. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I yeah, and the trouble with tribbles uh, is uh, you know yeah. another fun one like that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that it was uh, you know even though three seasons and that's it, and you know obviously wasn't a big success uh, in its initial run, but boy has it stayed with us. Uh, oh man, it's cha it changed icon. the landscape. It changed it, but it's like one of those things that is incredibly influ incredibly influential. It's like Woodstock. You know, Woodstock was a disaster for the yeah. concert promoters it was yeah. it really was they lost their shirts it was really you know it was basically turned into a bums rush and then they ran out of everything and then then the national guard had to start airlifting people you know what and I mean? food and, and things like that yeah it, so yeah. everything went wrong except for the music yeah uh, uh we've done quite a bit of research on uh woodstock uh, you know uh, uh, as most of our fans we call them diggers know around here we have uh, our rock and roll archaeology podcast which is an entire uh retelling of the history of rock and roll and how it interfaces with culture and technology mm -hmm. uh so it's not just a you know this band beget that band and this is a genre and that's a genre it's uh, it's about how music interacts with the culture and and how rock and roll especially all of this occurred in real time uh, in the mass media. So it was, you know, turned into a global yeah. ph phenomenon right during its uh, creation, which was highly unusual for an art form. Yeah. Um, and so we've done a lot of research on Woodstock. And yeah, uh, the one thing that did work and kept everybody um, uh, satisfied, as opposed to what happened at Altamont a few months later, oh, yeah. was yeah. the great music uh, that, that occurred. Uh, we, we, we give it up to uh, the, the great music and, uh, and Wavy Gravy and the Hog Farmers who were able to sure, at least right. uh, provide some sort of uh, civilized uh, society uh, out there in yeah. the mud. And also, you know, I mean, really, um, you know, you have to give it also up to the National Guard, too, because, you know, yeah. he actually provided assistance. You know, the, you know, the commanding, the CO, mm -hmm. was like, you know, there are a bunch of kids up here and they're, they're running out of everything. And, you know, the, and those same kids were pro, would be protesting the the, the and, military yeah the, the military time, yeah. but mm -hmm. the, they but but you know 
that's the part of it that make, is very moving that mm-hmm. they actually mm-hmm. didn't just well leave them to themselves they actually pitched in mm-hmm. and uh and helped a great deal so yeah so it was like, it's like one but it's like it's a it's such a, a, a indelible cultural marker it became you know everything just like watergate you know you know everything something gate like gate became you know, <laughs> The yeah. suffix to, to everything. You know, and, and yeah, so, any uh, any kind of political uh, scandal uh, ended up in a gate. Yes, you know, and then you know Woodstock became Wigstock. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. So yeah. stock became yeah. a uh, you know a kind of suffix to to things. Oh like yes, that. I've I've played my share of wolf stocks uh, yeah. in my yeah. day. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so and yeah. and uh, you know because it became so much larger. It became larger than it, it actually was in a way. It's kind of like, you know, Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, people were leaving. Like the whole thing, like he was supposed to go on at midnight and the whole thing went sideways. And he was yeah, going he, on. Five, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, I think. Yeah, uh, six Monday or seven morning. in the morning. Yeah. People yeah. were yeah. trying to get to New York Throughway, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, but yeah. you know, the thing is of playing the Star Spangled Banner, you know, like yeah. at sunrise, you know, that's pretty, you know, that's actually you know better right yeah yeah I yeah i i i just recently got to talk to billy cox about uh oh, the experience and and gerard of, of les as well yeah. uh, i'll be talking to juma who yeah. you know we're all part of that that uh that act the electric there, church right? yeah they're, the they're like church, some yeah. of the only people i mean really like um you know billy cox should get a presidential medal of freedom or something because yeah. you know, he's yeah. like billy, yeah. billy cox is literally of the you know and 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 uh yeah, one of Jimmy's first uh, musical partners. Yeah, and uh, and he's the you know, in a lot of ways, the last man standing. Yeah, yeah. On you know what I mean? Even though, mm-hmm. with with all due respect to Yuma and Gerardo, you know, they, I mean, they were part of the last kind of thing. But um, but Billy was there for for the whole evolution and the yeah, thing going from sideways. sixty-one on. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And um, and I think uh, he deserves recognition on a just a massive level because you know he still plays plays great he Mm -hmm. still plays great and Mm -hmm. you know he sings great and uh um you know there's a couple of those guys i mean you know buddy guy comes to mind Uh, he's still out there i mean other than you know the the troubles of 2020 uh not being able to perform uh you know he he, he'd been out there uh every day uh well you know buddy guy was the youngest Right, like Buddy yeah, got of the, the, of the, of the, of the that blues crew guys, yeah. of dudes. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was a, the he was the yeah. whippersnapper. Yeah, right? he that's was right. the uh, infanterible, You know, <laughs> him and Luther Allison. Infanterible, Yes, yes, yes. You know? The terrible and, youth. Yes, and you know, and they complained about him. Played too many notes. He's, you, know, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and he's become. You know, he's 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 become. You know, the Jedi master he's the yeah. you know, of the you know of the, of the living blues guys you know that there are only a handful left really yeah yeah and well it's not just that i mean a lot of those classic rocker guys that next generation are all gone you know that original class you know of uh you know <clears throat> elvis chuck uh you know little richard uh, now yeah. it's down one man standing and jerry lee lewis and you know he's he's really up there so uh yeah. in age. so well you know it's gonna be yeah, a day when all that's gonna a, be gone weird thing you know it's a yeah. weird thing i mean more you know like mortal 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you we know? all are. Yeah. The music yeah. is immortal, but no, more, the music is immortal. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I would make, you know, I'd, I'd make a snarky comment about Ray Kurzweil, but I won't do it. <laughs> oh, t- taking away the humanity. Is that what, uh, that, that's uh, no, where you're going? No, you know, but, 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 you know, I mean, he's, I mean, oh, that's right. He wants to, he wants to ice his brain or something. Well, uh, you know, right? I mean, it's, he's, a, he's somewhat of a quixotic figure, you know, I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he knows that the singularity. Yeah. Is like the right, the singular, you know, he knows that the singularity is coming, is achievable, and he's right mm-hmm. there. And, um, yeah, and he's yeah. just got to live long enough, you know, for the great yeah. download, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't we know if uh, he'll make it. I, I still, I still think we're about 20 to 50 years away before. Oh, that we're, we're, we're probably, we're probably 50 to 100 years away. I mean, because, you know, is it any sufficiently advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic or some, I'm par- probably paraphrasing Arthur C. Clarke, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the things that we do now, like, like you know, the, the smartphones, you know, the iPhones and, and uh, Android phones, they're unimaginable. You know, like they're old hat to us, but think about it, right? Well, uh, they're the you know the literal Star Trek communicator yeah. uh, and, is now and, and you know, literally in more, our hand and nowadays, yeah. much more and way bigger, yeah, yeah more, more advanced than Star Trek yeah. communicator. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. it's also kind of like we actually have or Dick Tracy's watch. We, I was going to say we actually yeah, now yeah. have, yeah, the Dick Tracy wristwatch radio, like we actually have that yeah and it's um, way more powerful than dick tracy ever you know had. but we don't have hyperlink you know so <laughs> you know like we don't we don't have a i mean forget about hyperlink like we don't like we don't have a bullet train which yeah is, the bullet which i know is we don't have met we don't have anybody who's been to japan or europe and been on those goes oh why the hell do we not have this well it's like stop you know it's weird it's like stop motion animation it's like it's so fa- it's the the, the uh landscape is going by so fast yeah. That it's it's un it's unreal how yeah. fast the landscape goes by, and you know, and they have uh, you know, and uh, the Japanese have had it for a long time, the French have had it for a long time, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, yeah. the English have had it, actually. yeah, you know, the yeah, UK has had it, yeah, and um, it's kind of it's it's it's, and you know, it's because of a lot of interlocking interests, and I want to go go down that, <laughs> but. You know, I mean, the future is about, you know, like when you see, you know, the city under the sea or the moon base or, you know, you, like what you don't see is appropriations. Like mm. you don't see budget fights about, you know, how are we going to who's going to build the dome that's going to be sent up into space? Because, you know, like one state's going to make the plexiglass. Right. You know, right. so everybody's going to get a piece of the pie. Right. right. So so yeah. they're going to be lobbyists. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, whatever we do you know, find gold or whatever on the moon. And then there's a moon rush, you know, cause, cause we're going to need, you know, cause unfortunately <laughs> like, like just, just wanting to learn about it isn't enough. Right. Like we have to have a, a just a transactional thing. Like we have to find coltan on the moon and then, and, yeah. then, then, and then the rush, you know, and then, 
and then the race. Well, it's, it's already started happening. I mean, you know, with uh, Elon Musk's uh, Dragon capsule and, uh, and mm-hmm. now Boeing's going to get into it. So, you know, the commercialization of space is, uh, you know, granted, it'll be low Earth orbit to start with. But, uh, you know, to your point, it won't be too long before uh, those uh, industrialists uh, will be heading out into the stars to, um, uh, you know, make money, which will then do what, uh, what I personally think sentiency is all about, which is to get us off the rock so uh, Mother Nature can uh, survive the next asteroid hit. You know, Elon, Elon really should just do a, really what, you know, if you really want to change things around, right, we would have the, the $10,000 Tesla, right? Like the t- like, very like, cheap. Or, yeah, yeah. No, I think those Pinto, days are coming. The strip down, yeah. like the yeah. Pinto Tesla that doesn't yeah. blow yeah. up, right? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> basically, if that was available, because people say, well, you know, the, you know, the whole thing is like, okay, we need more charging stations. And that's kind of starting to happen. And yep. then, you know, and, and battery, need, battery, uh, you know, range uh, is increasing. And uh, that's quite actually, a bit. battery yeah, technology is getting better. right now because mm-hmm. um, the successor to lithium is being mm-hmm. developed mm-hmm. and and uh, i forget the, the name of it but it's but it's actually there is no risk of risk of explosion it, it's not it's not volatile yeah. you know what i mean so where lithium yeah. will overheat and the warp can cause casing, fires. yeah 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 you know yeah. so that's so yeah. that's like so so those are the things that are gonna jolt like you need we need we still need discoveries we still need things that are gonna jolt everything forward and jolt them mm. in a way that is like undeniable like you okay this is this is such an advance mm-hmm. that it's you, like we're not going back right like the yeah like the well, like the with, like the, yeah like the invention the of the printing press the internet yeah. uh you know the, the, the atomic bomb vinyl, the unbreakable yeah. vinyl record right yeah. the unbreakable <laughs> vinyl record right well, well you know this is kind of crazy um there's a whole cult of the 78, right? Like, like blues 78s. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are like, it's like a whole thing. Uh-huh. And part of the thing about that, them is that they're breakable. They're very fragile. Yes. They're very fragile. Yeah. And that, mm. that, you know, that of course leads to kind of hoarding and cultish, <laughs> you know, feverish, <laughs> you know what I mean? I know Rare how people Star get Wars figurine behavior, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Paying way too much money. If the wife ever finds out, I'll never sleep you know in this I mean? house again, right? Oh yeah. yeah, like at some point, like like Baby Yoda, right? Like when when you know, it's so funny. Before we started this call, I I watched the uh, I think it was the fourth episode of the Mandalorian. Of Mandalorian. Oh, don't don't, don't spoil. I'm not going to spoil, uh, I, but I have to say, John Favreau is a bloody genius. Uh, because yes, uh, it's it's the best Star Star Wars uh, iteration since the first episode. Yeah, episode it's, it's kind of you know I I kind of I I kind of you know I really like the Star Wars stories. Like Rogue One was was fabulous to me. I love yeah Rogue yeah. And, and Rogue One, uh, the reason I you know because Rogue One is maybe the most like a war movie. It's yeah, it's very Vietnam esque. Uh, you, know, you know, it it ends. It's an actually, you know, that's a it's a it's 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 an actual completed story. There's no option to move yeah, on. You're not, it's you're a, not bringing it, you know, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. They, even everybody dies in the see, end, basically. You know, it's a good well, Shakespearean story. Yeah, I, I would love to complete see conclusion. <laughs> bring back uh, another version of that robot. The robot was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. once you once you once you establish a bot, um, you know they can they can return because they're they're a mass. Yeah, they're that, a mass that could, they're yeah, mass yeah, manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, hey, yeah. So, but but yeah, but Rogue One. I mean. And part of the reason why I love Rogue One is because you can't call something Star Wars and get away from the nature of war. Like, no. like you like, and it's the it's the aside from the Empire Strikes Back, it's the movie that really evokes the sacrifice of war. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, and the cat and the catastrophe of what war is. Yeah, and a great cost. I mean, you know, even in the first, you know, a lot of people, it, it, it escapes them that if you think about it, there's a genocidal moment in the first movie. They, you know, they blow up an entire planet, an entire species right. of, of, of this, of, 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 of humanoids, whatever they might right. be, Alderaan. But, you know, you're talking billions of people. Yeah, and, that's, and the whole thing is like, you know, there was this, like Yoda has this kind of, um, this traumatic moment because you know, like he, he felt. Oh, he feels like the yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and this is and this is and because we don't see it. See, the thing about Vietnam is like we saw the body bags, and yeah. what happened was that sub. You know, I think subsequent administrations, you know, realized you know this is a terrible mistake. Yeah, and, don't put and this even stuff the on whole camera. thing of embedding mm -hmm. um, reporters really turned sideways because. Mm -hmm. They don't. Well, want they to, went rogue. They went rogue, and <laughs> yeah. and um, there was a there were a couple of um of of, of short lived websites that really were images sent by uh, soldiers. You know, the second Gulf War. You know, mm -hmm. from the Iraq War. You know, of soldiers sending back pictures, uh, and it was crazy town. It's crazy town, and you know, and and basically, um, they had there was a movement to you know, amongst the brass to shut that down because it was like, well, yeah, uh, it, uh, it is not winning the hearts and minds at home. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, and, and could cause, you know, an uproar like we saw, uh, against the Vietnam war, uh, right. you know, both, uh, the Iraq war and, uh, the, uh, the Gulf war, um, did not do that. Uh, they were able to control the message, uh, control the media and uh, tap down the protests that did occur, which were, you know, uh, relatively minor, um, certainly compared to what we've seen this year. Absolutely. And we're in a, and we're in a kind of and we're really in a devastating, you know, situation right now. And, and the thing that's one of the most devastating things about it is that we don't see it. We don't see it because because for the most part, you know, and and and, and sort of rightfully so, because of privacy concerns. But you know, this is like what's happening amongst health professionals. I mean, they're 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 in a you know they're being burnt oh. out. I mean, oh nothing. We've never yeah. been been in a situation that's killed actual more doctors and nurses. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, mean, for just doing their job. And and it's kind of um. You know, it's 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 a it's staggering, and and I think that we're gonna have to. There's gonna be a reckoning, and really, we haven't really even had the reckoning in music to talk about. I mean, it's it's weird. We're going into the holiday season with a quarter million people who are not going to be at Thanksgiving. They're not yeah. going to be at Christmas, mm -hmm. and 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 we're and and really weirdly, it's strange 
that advertising is talking about, you know, about the sales. And it's just, there's something tone deaf about that. There's something that's, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, well, you know, because capitalism can't stand a downer, right? But <laughs> this is happening. Like, this is actually, this is actually happening. And, um, and people who, you know, this, this whole seasonal affective disorder, you know, a lot of people, you know, the holidays are not great for everybody. In general, uh, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the the darkness is uh, is you know uh, we have much less light, um, and then at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of pressure uh, around the holidays uh, for people, and uh, it ends up not being a good time for a lot of folks, and that's that's never good. And just kind and of now, this year is just going to be on steroids. It's not, it's kind of and, and and just even the fact of acknowledging that there are people who are, you know create you know they're they're in a in a in a bad way and um and we just have a tough time a lot of times you know the kind of level of the levels of empathy when we while we're while we're at the same time jutting out our chins at each other <laughs> you know what i mean it, it, it because everybody's got you know pain i mean you know there's there are people like uh we've all know somebody or we've all lost someone it's unavoidable you know and um you know there are several artists and musicians and and people that have um that i know of that have succumbed um yeah to the situation and you know one of the most heartbreaking for me is like our our original living colors original um sound person our front of house engineer who's uh judy marinas is a you know was female just firecracker of a person just really just fierce and, and great at her job and, and yeah basically. and in the 80s a, a rare breed for and, you know, a, a you know, woman exactly. uh, front of house mm-hmm. engineer mm-hmm. and she was the front of house she was the front of house she was the, the favorite front of house engineer at cbgb's and mm. we and we took her with us and and she was with us right up until we opened for the rolling stones and mm. um and she's just an amazing amazingly talented woman and a, and a, and a trail and just a trailblazing person. And, and, you know, and she never, she just did the job. You know what I mean? She, it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like she, weirdly enough, you know, for me, she's kind of a feminist icon, but she never claimed that that was never her gig. Right. Mm-hmm. She, her gig was, was to, just being the best front of house engineer the, that she could be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, and it's so, you know, and, and, and that story and, and many more stories like that are just being repeated in their thousands. Yeah. And, um, it's a travesty. Um, it didn't need to be like this. Uh, we could have um, affected uh, this and, and certainly not ended up with a quarter million people um, uh, dying. Had we just done some simple things early on and we, um, unfortunately, fortunately um refused to do so well and and um at a certain point history is going to look back because history Ugh. always does and it's, it's going to be and, brutal and and it and it, it really is you know it really is going to be this whole situation and you know not to really have to go into what that is but it's so funny because this is also the 50th you know it turns out to be the 50th year of the band of gypsies, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, it certainly was that in January and, Mm -hmm. and, and really there should have been so many more celebrations and things and there just couldn't be, you know, they just couldn't be because Mm -hmm. 
uh, everything got stopped. Uh, everything you know, got stopped. Everything you know, got I, stopped. Uh, you know, and you you do you 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 have your own uh, Jimi Hendrix tribute act, right? Yeah, I, I have this thing uh, called um, the Band of Gypsies Revisited, and we take we 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 do fast and loose interpretations of uh, mm. of uh, the Band of Gypsies material, but also we play uh, some of some of the earlier things from you know uh, our experience, experience to, yeah, and what have mm. you. But it's my myself. Um, and Andre LaSalle on guitar. He's a childhood friend, great guitar player. Um, very, very steeped in, in, in very steeped in Hendrix lore, uh, playing wise, but also very original. It was uh, Jared Michael Nickerson on bass and, uh, and, uh, Biscuit Rouse, James, Bis James, James Biscuit Rouse on drums. And, 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 and Biscuit was so crucial because Biscuit, you know, uh, Really, to do the Band of Gypsies justice, you have to have a drummer that can sing. Because that's the thing about the Band of Gypsies is that there were two lead vocalists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and basically I wind up croaking out <laughs> what I can, but, but, but Biscuit is just off the hinges. He's a great, great drummer and mm -hmm. uh, great um, singer. And, and we, and we have uh, done a couple of, did a couple little tours, a couple moves, and uh, we actually played in Seattle. We played in Portland, and it was, it was great. We played in L.A., you know, and, um, and, and, and one of the things we were talking about was, you know, this is like, this is the year to really do a bunch of stuff because this is the 50th year, and all of that got, <laughs> all of that got canceled, you know. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and like, like a lot of, you know, it, it's, and for the musicians, it's tough, but, I mean, I'm thinking about all the other touring Oh, all the personnel that, oh, yeah, that, that's the, the real, uh, yeah, I, I've been trying to get our audience to recognize that that that's where the real problem is going to be when the lights go back on is, mm. you know, there, that this, the, the touring business was an extremely well oiled machine uh, globally. So. And um, now all those people have been out of work for a year uh or yeah. longer and they're not going to sit around they're, they're going to have to do something and chances yeah. are half of them are not going to come back and what does that mean uh when 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 it's time to to you know put one of those big tours together i mean you know sure the the top line guys will come back but you know the the, the middle group yeah you know where, where are they going to find the their, their front of house engineer you know it's very it's very tough and and you know when you know beyond that you know the music industry, the the theater industry, mm, yeah, the, uh, yeah. the, the the food service industry, the hospitality industry, the movie mm -hmm. business. I mean, I mean the, the the devastation is really unprecedented. You know, we haven't had a situation like this in a hundred no, years. But the thing about it is, well, certainly years since ago, World War II, that's usually the the point that I say. Uh, seventy years ago, yes, seventy years ago. Um, uh, it's the closest to what we're going through today is, uh, you know, a world at war, uh, certainly more dramatic and, and horrible, um, you know, but it's it's the, the number of dead or the number of dead. Yeah. And the other part of it is, is, you know, people. It's just kind of the whole I you know the latest thing is that there's going to be like a kind of tsunami of evictions, apparently, you oh, know, unless yeah. there's real action to say you know what? very quickly very yeah. quickly to say, like within you know, a month right like you know what we're gonna you know you like make it illegal to to evict it you know it's like and you know and do whatever 
you know, relief for the, 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 the landlords and things, but it's, it's just the idea of, we've already got a terrible homeless problem. It's the winter time. So the idea of evictions going forward is, is draconian. It's, it's kind of beyond belief. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, what, you know, how do you, you know, there's certain traumas that if we don't handle this, if we don't start to get a handle on this, we could put the the country into a trauma position that it will take a lot longer to recover from. Yeah, a decade or, or more, not too dissimilar from, um, you know, 90 years ago with the Great Depression. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah, the, nobody seems to be doing enough. And, um, you know, I mean, we can all point our fingers at, uh, you know, the current occupant of the White House mm-hmm. uh, and his unwillingness to you know, care about people to start with, be a little empathetic to the situation and, and recognize reality. Um, so there's that, you know, so until that problem is permanently solved, um, I'm not sure we're going to be able to move to the next step. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's an act, you know, I mean, unless we, unless we're really going into total strange love, unless we're going into, some kind of i mean it's already kind of a post-apocalyptic nightmare which actually you know unless we're really going to a place that i mean i know a lot of people are frightened about his next moves i i don't think anything's going to come of it i think no i i I don't think i just i just think i just think we just have to suffer through another month and a half but at the worst possible time as you just mentioned it's yeah. winter time there there's there's going to be a whole host of evictions and and people are not going to have just simple you know the stimulus money that we you know we, we should have done a second round uh there needs to be um uh, something done about uh, small businesses to keep people working you know all these restaurants are going to close here again because the numbers are spiking uh, and, uh, you know, the governors and the local officials are just going to have to react and they're going to do so in a haphazard way as opposed to a national uh, solution, which m- most other modern countries have done. But um, uh, we could yeah. go on forever on this, yeah. Yeah. but let's let's get back to, to, to a little bit about about Jimmy and why <laughs> he was so important to you. OK, you know, growing up as a guitar player. Well, he was. Jim Hendrix was incredibly important to me because, number one, there was nobody. I mean, I was too young um, to go to the gigs and things, but just him being on the Dick Cavett show, yeah, was I no no you know I never you didn't see anybody like him. I mean, really, it was like Hendrix and a little later on Sly Stone. I mean, these they were really this countercultural phenomenons mm-hmm. and and my real introduction to jimmy came a couple of years after his death but really you know I, I mean i think about the isley brothers you know and and who's that lady you know the fact that ernie isley mm. you know, uh kept that sound in 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 america's conscious the world's consciousness with hit records you know what i mean mm-hmm. like fight the power and who's that lady Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they were kind of crucial to keep the idea of what Hendrix represented, you know, through, you know, Jimmy's influence on a very young 
Ernie Isley. So hearing the Band of Gypsies record, you know, the, the Vietnam War was still happening. So the, like, the, I, I particularly talk about Machine Gun, his version of Machine Gun that's yeah. on the official album. You know, mm -hmm. the, he played Machine Gun twice that night. He played it in the earlier set. And the earlier set version of Machine Gun is really interesting, but it's nothing like the second set version of Machine Gun. And, um, you know, apparently, you know, basically after that first set, uh, Jimmy, you know, goes to Bill Graham. Bill Graham, you know. Yeah. Who, oh, who, oh, I know the story. Yeah. Right. Bill said, eh. and he goes, and it, was, Bill, it wasn't a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And Bill was like, yeah, it was good. You know, and, and Jimmy, and you know, was like, and Jimmy was like, what? You know, he's like, and, and, and he's like, yeah, okay. And, and, and the fact, and then he turned around and then just decided and just, just, he, he, he basically, he basically engaged that extra gear, that overdrive, and he just made a concert. I mean, with uh, uh, Buddy Miles and Billy Cox, he yeah. made a concert for the ages. Yeah, this it, is that New Year's Eve uh, Fillmore show. New Year's Eve, show. 1970. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and that version of Machine Gun, like, it was so, it was a, it was a movie. It was it was it was basically apocalypse now before apocalypse now was you know it made you it was there in song yeah it forced you to walk point mm -hmm. in a rice paddy <laughs> you know and yeah. and that first long note that he plays in his solo i mean it's it's uh it's astonishing astonishing and the whole record you know um message to love power of soul i mean uh, who knows? And who knows? I think I, I improvised on the spot, you know, like it's um, he he disrupted um, the meaning of guitar. That's the thing about Jimi Hendrix in his short in his short time. He disrupted the meaning of the instrument because, yeah, what, I mean, think about the things he did. You know, and he, you know, when he when he did all his tricks, you know, doing the splits behind his head, with his teeth, playing with his teeth. I mean, yeah. that's all T Bone. That's all T Bone Walker type of stuff. That's that's yeah. all. That's all goes back to like T Bone Walker. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the Ray Texas Blues Band. And um, but he did it at a volume, and he did it with like with like these particular these clothes and his crazy hair. And the psychedelic lights, and he. Well, don't don't forget those Marshall stacks. That's your. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, well, the guitar at that. <laughs> well, right. The other thing too, the guitar at that volume becomes a different animal, and he yeah. was able to use the the kind of shrieking noises coming out of the guitar, and everything. He was able to utilize every sound. Yeah, control like, and feedback uh, and things like that. Yeah, and his range of expression on the instrument was disruptive. He went from really gentle kind of filigrees and things like that mm -hmm. beautiful rhythm playing you know to shrieking madness like he <laughs> so, so he had access to just butterflies and dragons yeah that's and a good that, way to put it you know it, it, you know and that's the thing and he was completely and it was just kind of also he was relentlessly present in the in his moments so he would go from this really kind of gentle feeling and then you know what i mean and and uh and and then taking the guitar and setting it on fire so he basically he he took the guitar and it was incredibly disruptive like anyone that saw monterey pop 
like yeah. their lives were changed. Like I can't imagine seeing something like that and yeah. not either, you know, deciding to go to medical school, dropping <laughs> out of medical school. You know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, yeah. I'm going to live, I'm going to live in the woods. I don't yeah. know what, like, and, and you know, it, since you brought up Monterey Pop, his isn't the only one that does that. I, I'd put the Otis Redding uh, oh, yeah. uh, performance and Janis Joplin oh, yeah. at that same show uh, on par with those moments at yeah. the same show. <laughs> Un- unreal. Unreal. Yeah. So, that, so, so this whole idea of, um, of, of uh, Hendrix as a shaman, a media mystic disruptor, of everything that had gone mm. before like he called mm-hmm. it the experience this whole idea was yeah. that you were not you were not going to it wasn't to entertain it was to transform so you know basically his his idea was to transform the night transform to utterly transform who you were what the night was and that the idea that everyone is going to be different on the other side of whatever this is we're all going to be different and mm-hmm. that and that idea of, of music as a transformative force was very much, and he, you know, in the, was very much in the air. And in fact, it dragged the Beatles along. The Beatles kind of started out as a very talented pop group. Yeah. And that, and, and somewhere along the line, they also transformed into, into just unsettling, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it transformed into Help the Skelter. It transformed. Yeah, well, into, certainly John. On, it affected John maybe more so than Paul. But, yeah. But, he dragged <laughs> um, him, but you know, yeah. but he dragged him along, you know, with him. And oh. George, but, see, but the other thing, too, George, George kind of single-handedly invented world music on a level. You know what I mean? George, in terms, in terms of its popular, in terms of its popular embrace, like people did not know about Indian Indian music. No, no, no. I, yeah, a single sitar on "Tomorrow Never Knows" changes the pop landscape into and introduces right. the Western world to and, Eastern and, music and becomes and becomes the Jerry Jones electric sitar. Yeah, right. It yeah. becomes the Jerry Jones electric sitar, and the electric sitar shows up on R and B records. Yeah, right. That's, that sound. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that sound shows up on Temptations records. Yeah, right? yeah. Afterwards, so yeah, yeah. So, in other words, all of the stuff that was going on, the technology, everything was evolving and shifting and changing, and it was kind of like the culmination of the new frontier. You can't you can't separate it from the you know from Mer- the Mercury launches and the Apollo. You know. No, no, no. It's I, all, it was, all, it's all it. together. Yeah, it's all. all it, well, there's a feedback loop of the culture and the music and the music to the culture, uh, you know, art reflecting life, life reflecting art. We all know that, but it was literally happening in real time and it was being exposed by mass media. So, you know, you could, right. it was evolution of the media. It was also the yeah. evolution of the media. It was yeah. also like, yeah. Marshall you know, McLuhan and all record that. players, yeah. Yeah. you mm-hmm. know, record players were, you know, were like a family council. They were essentially a gigantic, you know, they were furniture and they, you know, and it was like the family center, right? Like we gather mm-hmm. around yeah. this thing yeah. that delivers radio, you know, mm-hmm. and, and records and whatnot. And the portable record player changed, you know, along with boomer teenagers, 
Yeah, a tra- transistor, the transistor the radio, transistor to be able to, radio. and then to take it uh, um, out outside the house and share it with other people. You know, we don't really have that experience with music these days. You know, we've gone from, you know, music, which was very collaborative and very social to it's individualistic and it is now internal. You know, we, we all walk around with these little earbuds in our ears. Right. And we're listening to what we want and then. The, the guy you, you say hi to, he's listening to what he wants as opposed to a boom box, which might cause somebody to go, hey, what's that? And so right. um, it's, it's, we're in a weird state. Of we're music. in a weird place. And, you know, it's so funny because um, uh, the vinyl record managed, has managed to survive on some level. You know, mm-hmm. bands are still, you know, the idea of making physical product, right? Is you would think that would be completely over, but it's not. And and it actually functions in a weird kind of underground. Like, yeah, it it will replace the CD last year as uh, you know uh, the 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 go to physical um, type of music purchase now. So it it now uh, has uh, eclipsed the CD uh, as it, how yeah, people because, get a tangible a piece of music. Because also the album cover as a piece of artwork as a mass you know as a as a, as a mass manufactured artwork has returned right mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's a canvas yeah it, yeah it, it, and it, you need that 12 inch side to exactly. kind of get it you know it's the the little cd and beyond it's uh, it, it, the artwork be, uh, it, it was obvious i mean we and we know the budgets of uh, you know uh, album sleeve uh, artwork were reduced with the with the cd because it just wasn't it wasn't translating over and helping to make the sale whereas the 12 inch boy that was a huge piece of getting people to pay attention and buy that record yeah so the, so all of this stuff is is um it's all it's all connected that's the thing we when when we talk about these things we tend we have a tendency to separate out one bit right it's just kind of like somebody wants you to buy their strings or they want you to get their tit the pickup so they want you to get a pedal and it's really the interaction of all of the elements you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's the interaction of everything so you know like one set of strings will nudge it along and these pickups will nudge along, but the guitar itself has to sound good acoustically. It has to it has to resonate acoustically for any pickups to work on any particular guitar, and yeah. and so on and so forth. And it also is like the kind of do you play with a very thin pick or very thick pick, you know? And, and it all everything it all affects the interaction with the physical instrument and creates your individual sound by choosing those things right? but in order to sell something you have to kind of deny that reality right in mm. order to sell something you have to say you know what it's all happening because of my strings it's all happening because <laughs> of my people mean, really right that you have to kind of take the reality and, and this is true of kind of everything you have to make force people to focus on the thing you're selling and deny all the other things that come into play to make an experience. You mm. know, all, all these things are, 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 you know, one of the things, okay, so like the Mandalorian, one thing, you know, like there's this thing that they're doing right now, which is so mind-blowing. So no the spoilers now, Vernon, no spoilers. No, no, no spoiling, no spoiling, no spoiling. <laughs> but they have, they have a, um, a companion piece called The Gallery. Right. And it's really about the making. It's, it's a bunch of directors, different directors. Yes. Yeah. John Favreau. Talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this thing with these live video screens. They're doing this thing with these giant live video screens. Uh-huh. And they're using a variation of the Unreal Gaming Engine 
to create real time mm. backgrounds that are indistinguishable. Like, like it's like not act, it's not green screen. They're actually creating. Like if they're if they're shooting a valley, they actually create the valley and they create the lighting and the time of day. They create. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's the it, the cinematic quality of that show is really off it's the insane. charts. And yeah, and the yeah. actors are like, okay, so I'm standing. I'm in I'm in an enclosed space. When they turn on the screens, I feel as if I'm in a canyon. I think the so, canyon. Oh, so so they're they're actually putting it into the real world where these actors the are doing their job. So as opposed to trying to imagine it as we've had to in the past no. with blue screens and green screens, you're 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 they're they're actually piping in the look that you're going yeah. to see at and the And they're end. changing it in real time. And they're changing it in real, and they're bringing elements in oh. in real time. They want a ship to fly over. They they have the ship fly over. In real, no no it's 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 crazy because wow. they show wow. uh, um, the uh, the studio. They show the lot where they're doing it. And at a certain point, you know, you see them moving the screen, and it's cr it's the resolu It's it's crazy what's mm -hmm. happening, and um, you know. And it's implicated. Basically, what they're doing with that show is they're actually, again, you know, industrial light and magic was the cutting edge. Yeah. And what they're doing with that show, with practical effects, puppetry, the mm -hmm. you know, using like gaming technology, is mm -hmm. is pushing. It's changing filmmaking. Filmmaking is going to change because of this TV show. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, I can see that. And yeah, it's, it's wow. And so, like, you know, this whole this whole thing. You know, I could say that you know people have been you know like what what if, what what it, would Hendrix be playing if he had lived? And and one of the weird things I think about is, well, everything would be different. I mean, Jimi Hendrix doesn't suffocate. You know what I mean? And he, well, he would like guitar effects would have been different. If he, if Jimi Hendrix had lived, prototypes like we would have had the whammy pedal maybe ten years earlier. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Like prototypical, we would have had mm -hmm. pitch to MIDI guitar guitars, controlling synthesizers, maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like because the makers and the builders would have been approaching him because they saw what he did with the Univibe. They saw what he did with the Wah-Wah pedal mm -hmm. and what he was doing in the studio with flanging and things like that. So, you know, the Mike Matthews of the world, you know, whatever they would, it, yeah. they would have developed mm -hmm. things and presented things to him. Yeah. Like harmonizers and things might've happened yeah. and been practical. Yeah. 10 years and so if that moved up to hey, and he would have totally bought into that because as we know he, totally. he was a big digester of sci-fi a lot of people don't know that and so he was constantly thinking oh, yeah. about the future and you know he was born into this moment where you know that was a big thing he about american culture was about the future you know it was everything yeah, was futurism about the future. yeah it's like yeah. it's kind, it's kind of like and it's just it's not unrelated to you know like the fact that all of the Silicon Valley guys were in California at a particular time when yeah. the first computers were being put in the California schools and yeah. Xerox Park was happening yeah. and, all, and, and they were around mm -hmm. for that 
for that thing and the fact that you know like uh steve jobs drops out and he decides to to audit calligraphy classes right so you know and in and in and by auditing calligraphy the whole concept of fonts you know, yeah, and learning about fonts, which was a huge, huge advance huge. with, with and, the and Mac so, when he when they first launched the Mac was those those fonts and the desktop publishing that could come out of that. Exactly which, to your point. Yeah. So so all of this is happening, and right now we're in a we're in a strange like what's gonna be. So we're in a a a, a time where there's a just a multiplicity of just the technology is going every which way the technology is going every which way and people are utilizing technologies like you know like uh my, my wife's a filmmaker and um and and she teaches uh dance at dance and filmmaking at barnard college and there's an artist that made a zoom made a kind of dance zoom thing which yet she had like a bunch of people performing it and they, they choreographed everything they were doing on a zoom call. And it was amazing. It was like, wow, that's it, wow. It was amazing. Like the name just, <laughs> you'll have to, sh you'll have to share it with us. Uh, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send a, send you an email. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, please, please. Yeah. You know, but it's, it, no, the, but people are, are this thing that's happening with TikTok is like, you know, at one point there was this thing called Vine, and Vine was great because it was yep. six second, six second video. It was fabulous, yep. you know what I mean? And and now that sort of thing has kind of migrated to TikTok. So people are doing all of these kind of sight gags and weird, you yeah. know, weird stuff. But at the same time, you know, so so that's happening there. But then this thing Quibi is kind of having a big problem because and they're doing all this content like vertical video content and it's something about it that's weird i don't i don't dig it uh, well it didn't work because you know quibi right. is now defunct so uh and, you and know it, the 10 minute the 10 minute uh operation was i, I don't know why well, well, well part of it is is weird because you can't things like that, there's certain things you can't do it top down culture doesn't really work top down no, so no, it has, it, it has to, it has to bubble up from the bottom. Yeah. And also it's kind of like, like everyone's trying to figure out the alchemical formula for going viral and no one will ever get it because it's because the thing that catches people's why something is trending, why a phrase is trending. <sighs> Explain to me why the guy on a skateboard miming dreams goes viral. I, I yeah. cannot fathom what it was about that guy, that song, and that day that turned into this giant phenomenon. Because we're because it's a, because we're a hive mind that's not aware that's not aware of itself, mm. but yet and still the hive mind that we are is constantly looking for novelty, and I mean that not in a non pejorative sense. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking constantly for novelty. And when something catches, it's like the guy says, guys, I'm going to make, I want to make this egg salad. I'm going to make a bowl of egg salad. And he, and he goes to go fund me and he gets, and it's so outrageous. It's so stupid. It's so outlandish that he makes a shit ton of money 
Because yeah, it's because somebody. It's so dumb. Somebody it's so uh, ridiculous. enough people are going to go. Oh, I got to see that. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and he's and he says, "I'm going to make this egg salad, and I'm going to and, and I'm not and I'm not sending it to anyone. I'm making this egg salad for myself to eat." Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's and and it's kind of like well, the Blair Rich Project thing. It's like mm. something like that. Like can only happen. It's it's like a bunch of once in a lifetime things, but these once in a lifetime things are constantly happening. It's, mm, yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's like Gangnam style, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or when that happened, yeah. It's, yeah. it's these moments that are really fleeting, incredibly fleeting, but they're, but they exist, but they're fleeting. And mm-hmm. that oscillation is what animates it. But the thing is, you can't manufacture it. When people say, "Well, we want to go by," it, 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 it's 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 a it's a it's a weird, it's a weird thing. So if you want to put on a bunny, you know, <laughs> like you can't put on a bunny costume. Like you have to be, you have to be the kind of person that goes, "F it, I'm putting on a bunny costume," and be, and and be completely unattached to the outcome. And if you do that, you and you're just a you're just, I'm going to put on this bunny outfit. And because you're completely unattached to it and you don't give a F what people say, that'll become viral. But if you, if you say, I'm going to put on a fuzzy costume to go viral, it's not going to happen. Right. It's, oh, it's, it's a weird, weird mm-hmm. thing. Well, it's the same with music. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we pay all these people to, uh, you know, try to find the next thing and it's, you can't, it just has to happen. It, uh, you know, I mean, it happened to you. I, you know, you you guys were, you know, out there trying and boom, one day, I mean, you know, you had some, uh, some, uh, advantages having Mick Jagger produce your first uh, demo tapes. That helps. It was, it was, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? That's the thing. Once we once we did that, it didn't help. I mean, it helped us to get signed. He mm-hmm. was great in the studio. He did a mm-hmm. couple. He did "Which Way to America" and "Glam Boys," and he was great. Yeah. But once he did it, you know, like famous people can help, but only but so much. Of it, course, yeah. You have it, to have it, the talent. You have you know, to be able to it's, it's, and it's, and do it, it on it's, your own. It's an indictment. It's it's kind of an indictment of the fact that we had to have the most famous person in rock and roll. Like, you know, we have to, yeah. we have to have the most famous person in rock and roll work with us in order for us to be considered to, 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 to wind up in the back of the line with everybody else's record. Right. Like you have all these people struggling, great musicians, media, whatever, all these people struggling to do their thing. And mm-hmm. you do the thing and you go through all of that and you and then you find when you get on the other side of the magical portal of record contract. You're in a room with all these other people that somehow, you know, in the salmon spawning moment, managed to get in that room. And it's and it's like everybody, it's, you know, it's like, you know, you struggle to get into a school and at, at, at orientation, you're in a room with a bunch of yobs who also, they went through all the nightmare things you go through. That, that right? you did, Valedictorian, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. you did all extra credit, you did community <laughs> service, and then you're in a room with all of these other people. They did all this other stuff, but you suddenly, you know, you're Mr. and Mrs. Specialness, you're in a room of specialness. And at yeah. that point, you're not special at all because you're in no. a room with all these other hopeful people. And, mm-hmm. and you go on to the next funnel and the next funnel and the mm-hmm. next. You know, and mm-hmm. this is the intolerableness of, you know, 
Like we make these 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 distinctions, and it's kind of funny. Like so, like like Jimi Hendrix, right? Jimi Hendrix, if it was left, you know, he had to go. He had to he had to take a journey, the hero's journey, and he had to go to the netherworld. He had to do all these things, right? Mm. He had to go. Joseph, we're going Joseph Campbell now. Okay, right? cool. Yeah, absolutely, right? Chad <laughs> yeah, Chandler yeah. said, "Yo, man, well, come with me yeah. to England." Yeah, he could have said, "Back up off me, white boy." He could have just said, "I don't know you." You know, yeah. I mean, and and the thing about it is. There, you know, this is the weird thing. Jimi Hendrix is unique, but Jimi Hendrix is also not unique. I believe there are thirty Jimi Hendrixes that we've never heard of and will never hear of. You know, there because people, the dominoes just didn't fall that because, way. Because, because you know, there are you know, somebody sent me, uh, played me a a, a a tape of a friend of his playing guitar, and the kid was like seventeen years old, mm-hmm. right? And this was back in the eighties, and the kid was ridiculous. I mean, like Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen good, but he didn't sound anything like Eddie Van Halen. He just, just sounded original. He just was, yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. listening and going, this dude is ridiculous. And that yeah. dude, he never got in a band. You know, the Van, you know, we just lost Van Halen. Van Halen, remarkable, but also Van Halen. It was him, his brother, Mike Anthony, David Lee Roth. Like, it, it, it was the combination. And, and, you know, like, you could say the same thing, you know, Axel and Slash and, you know, all, all those dudes. Oh, it's the magic of those personalities. It's the magic of these together. things. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, and, and, and that magic can be, it can be dark magic. It could be, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, think mm-hmm. of, think about, think, think, try to imagine Fleetwood Mac. Now, Fleetwood Mac was already a great band. And then yeah, that Peter became, Green's Fleetwood. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Peter, Peter Green was, yeah. a, you know, and Peter Green, it's like he's a guitarist, guitarist, guitarist. Like there are a few dudes who actually achieved a certain amount of notoriety, but never became super famous. Tommy Bolin. Tommy Bolin was yeah. ridiculous, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tar- tar- I mean, ridiculously great guitar player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan Ackerman with Focus. I mean, there was a bunch of cats that were like, they were either associated with one band or, you know, but. You know, people know like the, the can, can, amazing Canadian guitarist Dominic Troiano. People don't have no idea who that guy is, and he's, he's you know, and, and so on and so forth. And this is the person that actually achieved a, you know, achieved a measure. But you know, but there for everyone that you know, there are 20, 30, 40, 50 yeah. people that, that were probably just as good never, and never, met, never I've got met, there. Yeah. I, I've met a number of people who were so unique and mm-hmm. so interesting, and so they had that thing. And the problem is the, the 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 context, the timing, you know, and that's the great and that's the great tragedy. And Hendrix, for for the tragic way he he passed at twenty seven, mm. you know, Charlie An Christian tra- Charlie Christian died at twenty three and turned the world upside down, <laughs> right? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, Clifford Brown. You know what I mean? Clifford Brown mm-hmm. also twenty three years old, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Lord Lord Byron, I think he was uh, only 27, 28. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So 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 you know the thing is, Jimi Hendrix he took a he took a walk into space. He took a leap of faith. He went with Jazz Chan. He went to he went to London. Mm. You know what I mean? And 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 at that point, just having the opportunity, all of his ideas, he was bottled up. The thing about it is, he was kept under managed by R and B and the Chitlin circuit. He was yeah. fired from you know. Um, Little Richard's band. Little Richard, and and Little, Richard, else, yeah. Little Richard in that in that um, Joe Boyd produced movie, a film by Jimi Hendrix. Little Richard's his little excerpt talk about Jimi Hendrix is is one of the greatest pieces of rock and roll film of all time. 
It's, it's, it's ridiculous. We go, he goes, that's what it is. That's what the answer is. You need to be put in the dipper and poured back onto the world. He's like, I knew he was a star. Everybody knew he was a star. I knew he was a star. And then he pauses and goes, that's it. That's what the answer is. <laughs> you know? That's, and, that, that's little Richard. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, but, but you know what? He wouldn't have happened without Sister Rosetta Tharp. No, of course. Sister oh, Rosetta, yeah. And Sister Rosetta Tharp was. Who, who found him very young. Yeah. And Sister Richard Rosetta, young, yeah. it was an acolyte of Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah. And Sister Rosetta Tharp was a, was, she was a gospel powerhouse. She was yeah. a, she was a rock star in the gospel world. You yeah. know what I mean? And the thing about it is she didn't cross over into the secular, secular room. Now it took many, many, many yeah, there's years. There's a lot of reasons people, for that. Uh, for, yeah. And it took uh, many years for people to acknowledge Sister Rosetta Tharp as the, mm-hmm. she was a phenomenal guitar player. You oh God. I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's because a lot of reasons, as you say, and, you know, again, you know, a lot of, we're only, we only start to recognize her in like the last 20 years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To really mm-hmm. talk about how bad she was. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. this is, this is, it happens again and again and again and again. And um, what can we say, man? You know, life is, is you know, life is, is uh, random and cruel and weird and, you know, all, all of these things. Like who would have thought that Peter Parker and Miles Morales, you know, who would have thought that the figure of Spider-Man would be so, this, this you know, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, who, who would have thought that this character would have had such an impact in the world. Right. You know, these characters, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner. You know, this was nonsense. You know, they, they, oh, it was childish. It was it's a childish, uh, right? It was not, you know, not to be taken right. serious but, but in any way, shape, or form it in its original incarnations. But, yeah. But here's the thing: comic book artists are amongst the greatest. I mean, the, their way, the way they deal with the anatomy, the human form, the flow of movement, the cinematic quality of it. It's astonishing what comic book artists do. And it's mm. considered a nonsense. What manga artists do is considered nonsense. At the same time, the thing that's considered nonsense is also a billion dollar business. <laughs> that's the that's the part of it. Right. That's it's the thing. Meta. It's it's yeah. and people are and people are sick and tired of it. Oh, another comic book movie. Uh, but, you know, it's so funny because it you know, if you're a certain age. It's remarkable. It's remarkable that these movies, like, you know, early comic book movies, the costumes look terrible. The costumes looked terrible. Yeah, and the production values were production, uh, pretty, pretty weak. And now they've re- they managed to get to a place where they reimagined the costumes, where they look amazing, where they actually work. So it's like, it's also the technology of, of fabric design. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's also it's also all these other technologies also advanced. Those technologies did not exist. No. Uh, know, in the golden uh, uh, age. Of, they, of they, comic they books. They certainly yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And now you couldn't you couldn't do uh, some of these um, uh, looks and feels and vignettes oh that God. were, were, were drawn. It was, it's like, it, was, it was impossible at the like time. Like Robert yeah. Pattinson as the Batman. Like think about Adam West and Adam West. <laughs> And his car and, you know, his costume and go to, you know, 
Yeah, where where uh, uh, Avengers was uh, it, it, last it, year. It, yeah, it, it's it's, it's a, light. It's a it's a light year. Uh, it's yeah. it's a light. You know, and this is and this is and this is the thing. But also, you know, like again, the Joseph Campbell thing. Like, why do we need these archives? Why do we need the golems? Why do we need you know? Why do we need the supernatural? You know, why do we need beings of supernatural power and things like that? It's and it's 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 a it's a it's a weird. It's a weird facet of how we organize and think about the world that we live in. You know, mm-hmm. and again, like, you know, what J- a Jimi Hendrix did, he was fed by comics and he was fed by rock and roll and he was fed by just extravagance, you know, like Little Richard's extravagance. He was like, oh, you know. You know yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll take some of that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, course, got him, yeah. You know, because ba- basically... Jimmy well, Hendrix. look at look at Prince. I mean, Prince is like the perfect oh amalgamation of like the greatest black artists of the yeah, previous he's a, he generation. Pulls, he or pulls two. all that together, together, and it's so weird for me because you know we're we were the same age. We're born in fifty eight, yeah. and yeah. you know he heard Sly and the Family Stone when I heard Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, he, I mean, he heard he heard he heard Black Magic Woman when I heard mm-hmm. Black Magic Woman. You know, yeah. on opposite ends of the country. Of course, yeah. he's a genius, yeah. but you know, he, but but but. The, the, oh, he's oh, a genius! Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. oh my God! And and you're and pretty good yourself, though, Vernon. Oh, I have my but, but, <laughs> but the whole concept of of all of these things, everything from Star Trek to Lost in Space to Time Tunnel to Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, you know what I mean? All, and all of these, and American Bandstand and Soul Train, and all of that. You know, and I had a dream, and by any means necessary, and you know that you know it, it, all of the things, all of that, and the assassinations, and the you know what I mean, all of the, the the good, the bad, the horrible, the funky, you know, all of it created these conditions, created these conditions, and it created these conditions. You know, like for the Beatles to go from. I want to hold your hand to revolution number nine. Like that's, I mean, that journey makes in, in five years. Head, yeah. That journey makes yeah. Radiohead possible. Right. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah. makes, you know, it, it goes from, you know, fake plastic trees to like paranoid Android, you know? Yeah. And, yep. You know, subterranean homesick alien doesn't happen <laughs> without Bob Dylan. Right. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a flipping, you know what I mean? So playing the homesick blues and flipping it yeah, around. Yeah, and flipping it around. Right, 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 right. Around right. and, and uh, <laughs> putting it through a transporter. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's all of these things and, and uh, the figure and, and all, all what happened, you know, Hendrix in 68, Van Halen in 78. You know, yeah. all of these things are part of a, a part of a, a continuum, are part of uh, the, the weird, the weird mirror. And, and right now, right about now, it's kind of like we're all waiting to hear something, you know. We're all there's something that we're waiting to hear, and 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 maybe it's Billie Eilish is going to do it because Billie Eilish is so funny, man. Like uh, she's like she's like, uh, um, uh, who's uh, from the Adams family? Wednesday? Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> she's like she's a bit like Wednesday. Yeah, like yeah. it's like she's like kind of like Wednesday Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but with tubes, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. so there's something creepy and fabulous about her, 
Right? Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, and, and she kind of like you imagine, and part of the reason why she's massive is because you imagine the same girl would be just in a room doing this by herself, like really creepy and weird, right? And but that is what she does. <laughs> and, and, but, but it became this mass market thing because she seems not to care. And that seems Yeah, she, there's 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 a a a, a disattachment uh to her it's ama- in it's, some um, ways, yeah. It's it's kind of incredible. It's kind yeah, of incredible yeah. when you think, okay. So, so she's the one who's uh, putting on the bunny suit and not giving a shit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she's right. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. And, and, that's, and, and that thing and those things, and who knows what the end is going to be? And who knows what, you know, it, you know, like we're living in this Marshall McLuhan, Lovecraftian, insane yeah. Walt Disney, you know what I mean? And I mean... Altered reality, yeah. We're, yeah. Right, these altered realities. Mm. And the collision mm. of... And it's actually a collision and a collage of realities. You know, mm. it's like mm. Black Lives Matter being completely misinterpreted. Because it's kind of like when you, people go, all lives matter. It's like, you well, so, you so totally, I, you so, missed the you point. Went, you, you went way, you went completely, you have no, you, you just, and it's kind of like, and, and it would almost be funny if it also wasn't tragic, right? It was also like, like George Floyd had to be murdered sadistically in slow motion. On camera. On camera. And, you know, and, and he had to call out for his mama and that not change the outcome. And, yeah. and, and that, and the idea, we hate the idea of an unchangeable outcome. We want the cavalry, the superhero, the, we want, we want James Kirk. We want, we want James Kirk at the Kobayashi Maru experiment. Right. We want, yeah, we want, <laughs> there's got to be a way out. <laughs> You know, we, we got, want, I will cheat if there has, there's no, no way. We out. want like one of the other cops watching this to, to go. Yeah. Dude, and, hey, dude, and, stop. What are you doing? And, and, right. this, and you know, we, you know, and this is, and this is the, and we're, and we're faced with the disappointment of what our fantasy narratives tell us about who we are and what we're capable of mm-hmm. and the reality of who we are, and what we're capable of. And that's, and that's part of the, that's part of the uh, um, trauma and of the pain of the American ideas. Because we've told ourselves, you know, that uh, Hannibal Lecter would never hurt um, uh, uh, Cla- Cla- Clarice. Clarice. Clarice, thank you, Clarice. Yeah. Yeah. Hannibal, you know, the whole idea is that, you know, he would never harm Clarice because it would be rude. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 we've turned the serial killer into a kind of hero, anti-hero, we, yeah, yeah, anti-hero. Yeah. We 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 yeah. we act. It's 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 weird. Well, I, I know the last one, the Walter White story. You know, Breaking Bad oh. comes to mind. You know, the good guy goes goes bad, and and that that's like the common feature. Or you know, in fact, and that's that's a disservice to our culture in a lot of ways. You know, I was in a conversation with somebody about Ozark. You know, it's like. I Ozark watched them that awesome. show it, and my thought was like, "Is everybody in the Ozarks drug dealers?" Oh, Jesus Christ! You know, and that's yeah. the, and it, it, and and I guess you know we we've been dancing around this uh, in our conversation today about that you know that that how how these programs are now so close to reality that 
we just assume that it, it you know, there used to be this ability of like, you know, the Batman. Okay, let's let's take Adam West. Nobody would ever believe that was remotely true. But what? today, Batman, you could kind of like go, hmm, I guess that's possible. Well, you, you know, know something? You know something? I'll tell you something. And this is the thing that I've been thinking about. Like, they're avoiding Robin. Like, all of the Batman narratives. <laughs> They can't they, like like they're avoiding Robin like the plague because well, because it, it invokes the like homo, the homoerotic <laughs> you know, the possible homoerotic <laughs> undertone. Wait, 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 well, Adam West. I mean, what do you, you mean know, he's your ward? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, and, and, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like this patri- You know, like Adam West is like it was this kind of patrician. You know, it's sort of like uh, he's kind of like Robin's finishing school or something. It's like you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, Robin yeah. is who you know. <laughs> well, Vernon Reed, um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people about Jimi Hendrix over the years, and I, I, I feel like I've literally talked to one of his children. You know, you, you just you have the same vibe of everything I've read about the guy. Um, you these interests. It's it's. It, it, it's been a great pleasure talking with you today. Well, well, thank you, man. You honor me with that. And, um, you know, I, I just want to say, I want to, I want to give a shout out to my friend and mentor, Ronnie Drayton, who passed this year. He, uh, he had a, he, he passed before uh, COVID-19 uh, complications from cancer treatment. And mm. um, he played with Nona Hendrix. He um, played with Edwin Birdsong. There's a record that Eddie Kramer produced called Supernatural. Um, if you can find it, uh, it's an Edwin Birdsong record, but Ronnie was, I think, 18 years old, and it's it's ridiculous. He played with the band The Family Stand, and mm. you know there are many children of Hendrix. There are many, yeah. and yeah. Um, and uh, Ronnie, he actually went to the band. You know, an uncle of his took him to see the band of Gypsies. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the few black kids that were actually in the room. Yeah. And um, and he really brought that feeling. <laughs> he would play. He would he would uh, play these amazing guitar solos. And there would be this moment. He would take this play this note, and I go, "That's the machine gun note." You went, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, he was a he was a dear friend, and uh, and also he was an activist and uh, a criminal justice warrior. You know, his his son had gotten caught up in the system, and he had fought. You know, you know, he fought the law and won and got his his son released. And uh, so so yeah. he's someone I just before we even go, I just want to say, you know, Roddy Drayton was the real deal. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Vernon, it's been a great discussion today and I uh, appreciate you being with us on Deeper Digs. Oh, man, it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, the great Vernon Reed Diggers. 
Man, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I really felt like we had a mind meld. I mean, there was literally a painting by his younger sister of Spock from Star Trek behind him. How could we not? Really, a lot uh, uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait to catch Vernon when uh, he is back on the road. Okay, don't forget, Friday, November 27th at 7 p.m. That's 2020 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Well, Friday, November 27th. 2020 at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Kiss the Sky presents a live stream of their annual Jimi Hendrix birthday bash direct from the historic Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York. The world's greatest tribute to Jimi Hendrix, Kiss the Sky recreates Hendrix's most iconic performance moments in full replica wardrobe and gear. Um, <clears throat> check thebearsvilletheater.com or Kiss the Sky tribute page on Facebook for more information. It's all there. Get some tickets. And like I said, come on. What else are you going to do on Friday night? Enjoy some free Jimi Hendrix live for free. I mean, you know, that, 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 what better deal is that? Um, I guarantee you. I, I've seen Jimmy Blue. I've seen Kiss the Sky. They're the real deal. Okay, in a few days, we will have our last show. Uh, for our Hendrix November special. Come on back to hear the thoughts of the great Billy Cox, uh, one of Hendrix's longest collaborators, and Juma Sultan, who was a percussionist with Jimmy. Uh, and finally, we will hear from the man of the hour, the keeper of the flame, Mr. Jimmy Blue, the star of Kiss the Sky. Until then, stay safe, do the right thing, and always keep up the rockin'. I'm a voodoo child Lord, I'm a voodoo child by Christian Swain. Produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Sound designed by Busy Signal Studios. Engineered by Jerry Danielson, Christy O'Donnell, and Leslie Barker. Find all of our shows, notes, and social links at PantheonPodcast.com. Contact us on social at Pantheon Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found used in this podcast for purchase or streaming wherever you get your great music. Please pick up these amazing tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.